Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. Welcome to the PowerCat Podcast, GoPowerCat.com's Kansas State Athletics Show. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, from the GPC Studios, here's your host, GoPowerCat publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Welcome to another edition of the PowerCat Podcast. It's our third of the week. I'm exhausted. It's so hard to podcast. Tim Fitzgerald, Zach Carlson, Cole Carmody, Ryan Gilbert. I hope you listened to our Bracket Podcast. It went up Wednesday at Go Power Cat. We just recorded it prior to this uh, podcast, and the dogs are simply exhausted from it. They're so tired, I will not be able to send dude to the fridge wholesale liquor like a St. Bernard to bring back delicious drinks from our sponsors. Business. That'd be a good role for him. Retreat Pacifico. Okay. I'm off. Uh, make sure every time you come to Manhattan, you stop into the fridge, say hi. It's a great time. If you're going to have a little home viewing of the NCAA tournament, they have everything you need to follow along. I'm kind of bummed you guys are going to be gone. It's spring break. You had to come back for this. Except you're still here, right? Because you had to I work. I am. Yep. Uh, you had to work at that place that we can't mention on this podcast. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Hmm, because I, I really want to uh, play the dollar three-point game. Oh, yeah. For charity, right? For for No. Actually, I want to just game. We won't be doing this in a bar this year, probably. We'll probably be just doing it in my basement. So no sugar packets. <laughs> no sugar packets. Oh, how are we going to? Everyone's going to have to bring money. You're going to have to come prepared. Zach, I know you've, you, in the past, you've been able to find it a bunch of ones to take out. So uh, you'd have to do the same thing. Last year I had to use sugar packets. Yeah, it was, it was embarrassing. It was embarrassing. Okay. So if you've never played the three point game, here are the quick rules. You have uh, a game on and it helps you get invested in a game. You maybe don't want to watch necessarily because you got to pay attention. Everyone puts in the dollar. Um, and you know, let's say there's six people. That's a pretty good number, five or six. And then you shake up the hat, so there's five or six bucks in there. And everyone takes out a one out of there. And whoever has the lowest, the highest, have whatever you want to do, a serial number on it, goes first. Hat starts in front of them. First three-pointer that goes up. If you make it, if they make it, you get to take all the money out of the hat. Everyone puts another dollar in. You pass that. If they miss it. The participant, the guy with the hat, has to put a dollar in and pass it. So if you miss like 10 three-pointers in a row in a game, doesn't matter which team, everyone's put in another dollar. So now the pot's like 15 bucks, and then someone hits a three, and uh, you get all the money in the hat if it's in front of you, and then everyone puts another dollar, and you start all over. It is fun. It is it is uh, gambling. Last year we had USCKU, I believe, right? Yeah, I think we mm-hmm. did do it for USCKU. Um, did we do it for the national championship game too? Uh, no? If we did, I don't remember it. But I don't remember. That also is another uh, side effect of the three-point game. <laughs> <laughs> did we gamble? I don't remember. I have no money. We're sponsored by the fridge. Though, if you if your goal is to black out because it's the NCAA tournament time and your team that for which you cheer isn't involved, the fridge has got what you need. This is the questions podcast. This is how it works. The users, the VIPs. The subscribers at GoPowerCat ask the questions, and we answer for all to hear. But what's fun about this podcast is we have gone through a rather significant growth stage of our membership at GoPowerCat, we'll say. We're at an all-time high for our 24-7 site, um, and uh, we've got a lot of new users. And so the entire first half of this podcast will be First-time question askers, correct, Zach? Is that correct. how we set this All up? All of these people are first-time question askers, and they are. I believe they're all new to the site. Is there such a word as askers? 
Yes. Question asker. Okay. There is, I guess. I guess. Nebraska corn askers. <laughs> That's good. There you go. That'd be a good podcast for them. If they have, and it's uh, just all questions about Adrian Martinez. Although I don't think they have the internet in Nebraska. That's just me, and I don't know anything about Nebraska. Is that up? Is Nebraska above North Dakota? Uh, I believe that's Canada. Same diff. Same diff. Here we go. It's your questions from Wabash Station. I don't even know. You, Gills has got it. I've got this like Mike. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, so are you uh, pre-rehearsed on all the new names? Yes. <clears throat> Is my name in one of the names of the question askers? Yes. I love this yes. name. Let's go get going with the new B half. The newbie half. Took me a while to get that out of the Powercat Questions podcast. First question comes from Not Fitz's Burner. There I am. Welcome to the site. My burner has a really great account. I bet it does. How important is the basketball head coaching hire considering TV rights, conference realignment, uncertain future for NCAA, et cetera? Or is football the only thing that matters? This guy's really smart. He hit on all of it. That was a really actually a good question. It's a really pertinent question. There's a lot of people out there in college sports who still believe the ESPN SEC plot to break off a super division is still in the works and still will happen. So getting this right and being relevant in both football and basketball could play a role in K-State being at the table. While if football falters, and really it's more football-driven, we all recognize that, but every little bit will help for a program like K-State. If football falters, maybe basketball can save you. Um but I, I do believe this. I think the new Big 12 is going to be just, in good, just as good in basketball as it is now. That's not going down. You don't add the programs you're adding and expect to drop off. Cincinnati is, is going to expect to be a national power in basketball as well as football. They're, they're want, they want to be part of that. Houston already is a significant player. I mean, they were a Final Four program last year. They're underseated as a five this year. But... Um, and, you know, certainly Central Florida has the resources and BYU's had some success. Uh, they need to up it a little bit. But um, I think this conference in basketball is going to be competitive and fun. And you never want to get a higher wrong. But there is the timetable of the NCAA athletics and the NIL and everything going on. You want to be well positioned when things start to come apart. I think it can only help, right? I mean, you hit the nail on the head, Fitz. Like all the all these things play into account the future of K State. And really, when when we talk about the importance of the hire, that's what we're talking about. How important is the hire for the university? And I think it's extremely important. I, I think that if you don't get this hire right, and you have to go through three, four more years of of not so good basketball, if not so good, terrible basketball, um, then you're, you're headed in the wrong direction. Unless Chris Kleiman can, can really what be at the top of the big 12 and consistently win big 12 championships. Like you cannot afford to have a terrible basketball program and a, and an average football program. You just can't, right. You just can't. So yeah, this is, this is an, this is extremely important for the university. I think it's more important to find a good hire to create a good program and win games because, you know, like, you know, it mentions conference realignment, TV rights. I think if you, you, you need to get a good coach at a good price. I don't think that being in the Big 12 and being as uncertain as the future is for TV rights and what your potential cut could be in the future, you're not going to be able to get away with paying an exuberant, exuberant exorbitant amount of of money to a head coach as much as you may want him you know if you don't know what your future is and what your future income is going to be and and how you're going to fund that position let alone basketball considering football like we've mentioned in the past you know it's that's a big question mm -hmm. of of what the future is so i think that you need to first focus on somebody that's going to win games and you know Maybe someday later on, you can spend some more money on on coaches. Well, let's just stop here and remember how you all reacted to the potential candidates for Big 12 expansion. And you're not different than how I think administrators react in many ways. <clears throat> the four schools that were invited in, Central Florida, 
has had football success. Cincinnati is having football success now. Houston has had football success and is in Texas, which seems to be a real important thing to this conference. And BYU, of course, has had a football history, including a national championship. The teams left out would be places like South Florida and Colorado State and you know other programs that might fit the conference but aren't in the midst of immediate success or uh, they don't put off the image of thriving as an athletic department like football success or even basketball success can do for you at the right place. So being positioned properly for Kansas State in the upcoming years is absolutely critical or the Wildcats will not be at the big table if, if one, invited, which I have a problem with invitations. I think you're setting yourself up for lawsuits big time. Or two, and this is a real thing to discuss as a fan base, do you want to be at that table? Or do you want to stay at a more traditional format of college sports? Because I also truly believe when that when that conference is formed or that um, division is formed, I don't think college sports will ever be the same at any of those institutions and it will have a enormous negative impact on the, quote, non-revenue sports. To the point where why would they have them anymore if they're setting their own rules and it's about profit and it's about the NIL and now all athletes are employees. So Title IX is off the table. Why are you offering a bunch of other sports that don't bring you money? And I think that's a shame. So that's a that's something else to be considered. Do you want to be part of that? Let's just say this. I know everyone wants to be at the biggest table possible, but do you think fans at North Dakota State sit around complaining that they're not FBS because they've won 7 million FCS championships? You want to beat whoever you're playing, whether that's high school or whatever. But I also know that some fans have have sworn they will not be fans of Kansas State anymore if they're in the Mountain West, which I can't grasp. (laughs) Then you really weren't that big a fan anyhow. Next question. Next question comes from The Cat Attack. Welcome to the website. That seems violent. It does. I know. You should probably uh, report that as yeah. violence. Yeah, I have violence against my, uh, my, my soul. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. Frank Martin is out at South Carolina. What? It was, yeah, if you didn't hear. Okay. <laughs> and it was reported he was putting his name in the mix for the K-State job. What do we make of his tenure at K-State versus his relative lack of success, recent success, rather, at South Carolina? Would you give uh, – would give – would Gene do this. Would Gene give him consideration? Okay, there's a lot, a lot here. Uh, and let me start with this. Um, the other morning I put up the top ten winning percentages post-World War II coaches at K-State. And there was a big reason why I did it. Uh, we needed content for the morning. <laughs> and it was, it was easy content. Um but I got to admit, it indicated things that I had no clue. For example, after remembering to add in the last year or two to Bruce Weber's stats, which apparently the site I was using didn't, he was actually ninth on the list. I was stunned by that. I'll be honest. I was absolutely stunned that he only post-World War II exceeds the lack of success of Tom Asbury and Jim Moldridge. It's crazy. It's crazy. And actually the last year brought him just – what, one one thousandth of a percentage point below uh, Dane Allman. So essentially they were tied. Um, and I thought that was intriguing. But I equally shocked that Frank was number two. I had no idea that that winning percentage, um, and granted, I mean, he had a five-year sampling, and it was a successful five years. Tex Winter is much more impressive to do it over the long period of time he did as number one. But he exceeded Jack Hartman, Jack Gardner, all those guys. And even Hugs had one season and still beat that out. So I was really surprised by that. And I don't think people appreciate how good those teams were under Frank. And it wasn't just Michael Beasley. That was a one and done. Um, it was really kind of building things. And maybe it was all supposed to was going to drop off. I don't buy that. Um, I think there's still a lot of uh, disinformation that was spread and bought into. Um, I, I think guys could say I was going to leave, but they they weren't. Some were. But they weren't. Um, we'll, we'll never know. But um, Frank was wildly successful. At the end of the day, um, the reason why his record was just a little bit worse than Bruce Weber's record at Kansas State, Frank at South Carolina, was that it was a total rebuild. So he had three empty seasons to start the whole rebuild. I mean, his three first three seasons are what you expect from 
taking over KU football, which is essentially what South Carolina yeah. basketball was. It yeah. was a graveyard. Um, and then he went to the NIT, and then he went to the Final Four in year five, and that dropped back off. I admit that. He only went to one tournament. What's amazing is in that one tournament, he won as many games in the NCAA tournament as Bruce Weber did in his tenure at K-State, including a first four win, which stinks. I just thought that was interesting. But I think the time of Frank and um, most fans loved Frank, but some fans were horrified by Frank. And I think in hindsight now, everyone appreciates that the pendulum swung way over to, you know, the nice guy side, which nobody's arguing Bruce isn't, you know, pretty much that. Um, and there's just so much in between those two. I don't feel, I don't sense an appetite. And Frank's a friend. I love him. I text with him. I interact with him still. Um, I can't wait to see him next and, and see that glorious bald head. <laughs> but I don't think there's an appetite for his return to Kansas State. And But the reason why he's on our list is what if everything falls apart? I mean, that happens once in a while. It'd be unfortunate. I don't think it's going to happen here. I think if Brad Underwood ends up being a no, it doesn't work out. I'm confident that either Jerome Tang or Chris Jans will be the head coach if offered. So you got guys that are going to say yes. But what if they don't? And what if the mid-major guys just don't really tickle your fancy or they don't like you? I gotta, I've never seen a guy go from essentially – piloting a rocket ship to crashing to earth faster in a coaching shirt shirts than Grant McCasland. When, when people yeah. saw his team play, they're like, Oh no, no, which is fair enough. But that's just how these things work. So having Frank and Andy Kennedy, uh, a Frank friend on that list are kind of like the fallbacks. That's what they're there for, but I don't see it happening. I think that Frank Martin, when he was at K state completely changed how young people view K-State basketball. And I wrote about that would have been last week now, but Frank Martin was really the first coach that introduced me to what K-State basketball is. And that shows my age and I'm okay with that. I think Ryan's in the same boat, but like that, those memories that you'll have of a Frank Martin coach team of Frank, of those teams that he had, you'll be able to keep that for forever. And I think when Frank started to go – when he left for South Carolina, and you're right, the, the pendulum swung in the direction of Bruce, we've seen this happen before. Um, you just look at how society is. When you have something and it starts to grow that sour taste in your mouth, then you go the complete opposite way. It happens It happens in jobs. It happens in life. It happens in relationships, and it happens in politics. Cole's breaking up with me. And so now you have this – situation where you have the boy scout nice guy and bruce weber and by all accounts every single coach that we have heard that we have seen that we have has been rumored to be interested in the job is the exact opposite of weber right i mean for the most part you don't have those those nice those the nice boy scout guys who just let the players control everything from everything that we have seen and the rumors out there it's you're going to you're going to get a leader and I don't know. I don't know if Bruce Weber was a leader, but I know Frank was a leader. Right. And so you're going to have maybe a younger, a younger version of Frank. Frank is different than he was ten years ago, and that's another thing that people maybe not might right. not realize. He's a completely different man than he was ten years ago, as everybody is now than they were different ten years ago. So, I mean, you're not hiring the same coach that was here ten years yeah. ago. I think that if you hire Frank Martin, I think the word to use is whelmed. You know, it's you're just it's, you're not under or over. No, you're not over or under. You know, it's just kind of like, yeah, that's that's a name you're familiar, but his success is ten years removed from K State basketball, and really, he's had that one Final Four. He's he's ten years from being removed from being truly successful, consistently year after year, being a top four seed in a conference tournament. Um, that's. That's the problem is can Frank return K-State to that level? And I think that there's so many question marks, you know, seeing what he's done at South Carolina. Yes, you have the, the, the one Final Four run, but that's kind of the same thing with Bruce. You have the one Elite Eight run. Sure, you have a couple conference championships the last 10 years, which you hadn't had for forever. But you look at Frank and you're like, well, there's a lot of unknowns and up and downs and 
the the good times are good and the bad times were bad. I don't think that that's going to be good enough of an explanation. Just or bringing Frank back and saying, "Hey, you guys love this guy." That's not good enough for K State. I think. <laughs> I don't know. Daphne disagreed with you passionately. <laughs> so I, I love Frank. I hope he. I just saw Xavier came back open, um, which a little bit surprising. I wonder if Chris Mack is going right back home to Cincinnati, but. You know, maybe Frank's in the mix there. I think Frank's probably got a, a stop at a mid-major or, you know, I, I've been telling buddies that if Chris Jans moves on to K-State, Frank would be perfect in Las Cruces as a Spanish speaker. Actually, it'd actually work really well. Um, so we'll see. I, ho- I wish him the best, and I hope he gets back um, as a, a Power 5, Power 6 coach here pretty quickly. Um, but maybe stops in the NBA and does that for a little bit. Just kind of studies basketball as an assistant coach. That, that seems to be a popular move. Even Lon Kruger did that at one point after he lost his NBA head coaching job. And Fitz, going back to the question you asked earlier, I guess your burner asked about how important this hire is. Like it's actually my burner. It it's, is. But it's right? not my burner. Nah, it says it's, it's not, not my burner. burner. It's right there in the name. Well, K-State basketball isn't dead, but – after three seasons, it's you know it needs a winning coach to come in and a young coach. We talked about before we, re- we recorded this. You can't have some recycled coach that you know. I love Frank, but his better days are behind him, right? So that makes this hire much more important that you get a younger guy that can sustain the program for a long time. Because even if Frank does come in and has success, it's not going to last forever, right? He's I mean, old. I think I think hiring Frank. The, the feeling among the fan base is probably going to be similar to when Bruce was hired. Yes, Bruce had some success. Some people are like, yeah, this is all right. You know, it's a decent hire. Right. Then you're going to have a lot of people that are like, no, this really – we can pick out all the things that are wrong with this Here's hire. Here's where it would differ from that. If anyone showed up to protest, Frank would beat him up. I just beat him, which would be bad. I, think I admit that. But Frank and Doug Gottlieb get along though, right? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's like, you know what? Eric Hosmer plays for the San Diego Padres right now. He used to play for the Royals. Everybody loved him when he played for the Royals. He Perfect. signed with the Padres. And guess what? He went to the Padres, and he didn't have a lot of success. But guess what they did? The Padres made the playoffs. And now the Padres want to trade him. And Royals fans, would you would you welcome him back with open arms? Well, guess what? Nope. He wouldn't be that good. Nope. nope. So that is my comparison. Depends yeah. what you're paying him. Well, this true. is true. Yeah. Very true. Because I'd take Frank back as an assistant. Yeah, I don't see that happening. Especially if Brad comes. <laughs> don't see that happening. See, not that I don't see Brad happening. I don't see Frank coming back to K State as assistant. What about Shane? I know Shane's not going to get the job, but what as a head coach? Yeah, way too young. Well, I, I know that's not going to happen. But if Shane were to get the job, maybe Frank would come as an assistant to help him. I don't think that no. relationship's there. <laughs> okay, never mind. I, I, I would. Do you remember when would, Shane tweeted the picture of him his first his year his first year with Bruce and it's a picture of Frank like yelling and Shane's all dejected and then Bruce is like cheering him and he's like all happy. Huh. That was that said everything about Shane and Frank and yeah. and really. Right. I want to brace. I want to brace people. If if Brad Underwood comes back, Shane's got some rebuilding to do. Some of these guys burn a bridge that they shouldn't have burned. Um, and it, mm-hmm. that will be very interesting to see if it happens. That's that's a lot of steps down the road. I think Brad's passed anything like that. He, he'll do whatever's best for the program, but that's just something to keep an eye on. Next question comes from Powercat Maniac. Welcome to the site. How is that name available? Huh? There's some really good yeah. names, and uh, and I want to mention a name right now. Topeka Style Sushi did not ask a question on the podcast, but that is a new name that has emerged, and we like it. I it kind of makes me want to vomit. What is Topeka-style sushi? It's probably carp. I'm not sure we want to know what Topeka-style yeah, sushi is. I don't think right. you know. Queso Cat is Zach's burner, isn't it? No, it's not. <laughs> yes, it is. Sorry to Queso Cat. I saw you asked some questions, but not enough time. Okay, go ahead. In the current age with the transfer portal, what should be the acceptable expectation for a new basketball coach to make the round of 64, given the current state of the K-State program? And is the historic ability of a coaching candidate to enable positive impact from the transfer portal an area of focus or concern in this coaching search? I remember when Hugs came in and they needed immediate help. And all you could really do at that point was go to the JUCO ranks, which is such a watered down, 
you could get some players, but even in the spring, they weren't that good. But um, now you really can reinvent your program to a degree. Uh, I don't where the expectations are. I don't think we know yet. I mean, I don't think see the roster first. Well, but I don't think we've had enough exposure to how the portal can impact a new coach at right. any program, let alone K State, and especially if you hire an assistant like Tang. Yeah, you know, sure they're recruiting, and I'm sure they're 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 the guys that are looking around in the portal. But I just I don't know how I don't know how. Yes, you need your coach to be successful in the transfer portal. That's a given. I don't know how you can look over the last three years and say, hey, they did this well in the transfer portal. I, I think there's still a bit of a learning curve on the portal and knowing how to use it. And I think whether you're experienced or not, I think the willingness to say, hey, we're going to do everything we can do to win. And if the transfer portal is what's going to help us win the quickest and the most – I think that you need to find a, a coach that's willing to embrace it. I point to Texas Tech. I mean, yeah. they lost their coach. They lost their best players. And they gained arguably the best player besides Ochai Abaji in, in the Big 12 and Bryson Williams from UTEP. He was a unanimous first-team all-selection. And now Texas Tech, we picked him in our, in our, last, uh, in our last podcast to, to make it to the Final Four. So they're going to have a great chance to be successful in this NCAA tournament. And... New coach, new players. I'm not saying that I expect K-State to make the Final Four, but I don't think it's unrealistic for them to make the round of 64 in year one or year two, especially if you can get some experienced guys to come in. No, you're right. The transfer portal makes quick success more tangible for everyone, Um, but it'll fascinate me to see the expectations of fans. If they want immediate gratification or if they understand that there is going to be a little bit of rebuild involved after not making the tournament for three years. It's going to be very intriguing for me to watch last question of our first half from our new members comes from neely eyed missile man mm. zach that that's what it said is it neely or I, mealy neely like an ed neely an yes. okay. yeah okay there we go. anyways is if there is a coach you are after who has made the ncaa tournament or the nit do you cheer for them to win or lose better to prove <laughs> themselves or are available for a flight to manhattan i think it's different for each coach you look at Andy Kennedy you probably want him to get a win in the first round against Houston you look at Brad Underwood you kind of want him to lose to Chattanooga mm. I mean that's that's, that's the, the way diff- I see it and I think you know if you look at Jerome Tang assistant Baylor you know I think you probably want them to make a deep run you want it, him it, in the it, final it, four you want him to go a long ways because but, unlike a head coach he could take a job before yeah. they're done playing so let me let me let me ask you this Let's say that New Mexico State makes the Sweet 16, and let's say that Illinois makes the Sweet 16, mm-hmm. and let's say that Jerome Tang and Baylor make the Sweet 16. Mm-hmm. Does that mean you're only able to talk to Jerome Tang? Well, like, directly? I mean, directly, yeah, directly, absolutely. You know, I. So then, I mean, a that, coach can can elect to talk to someone if they want. Most wouldn't. Yeah. Um, but that every circumstance is different. But they're talking to their agent. That's why they have an agent. They're, they're not not talking to them. That's the one person. I've, I've said this over and over. For me, knowing Brad for 40 years, th- he always goes silent this time of year. I can text him good win, um, great season, whatever. You just don't hear from him until he kind of gathers himself at the end. Um, so, you know, uh, the fact that he's gone radio silent on me and others doesn't indicate anything to me he is not radio silent on his agent and if he's at well he got even left oklahoma state the day after they lost i'm like yeah that's what the agent has been working on and the agent then called him up after the game and said this is what we got he said let's do it that's all it takes that's why you have an agent that's why i've got a guy that handles my contracts that he's just in charge of it i think you might know who he is because i just had him on a podcast he you know he serves the contractual functions of an agent not like he can go out and negotiate and get me a raise because even my wife doesn't want to give me a raise. So is it fair to say that if they're in the NIT, you want them to win because you don't want to lose in the NIT? Well, I don't think you want a coach that's in the NIT. <laughs> I think. Well, yeah. I, I mean, there are some of the candidates that are in the NIT, but I don't think the NIT matters. I think we all yeah. recognize that you didn't make the NCAA and maybe your kids didn't give two craps about the NIT. So I think that's a good point. So mid-majors win? 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you're a mid-major, you want you want to win. And power five. And if you're Brad Underwood, you want him to lose. What's the difference between losing in the round of 64 and the round of 32, though? Nothing. Timing. I mean, really One nothing. Day? Yeah, it's two days difference. But, yeah. you know, I mean, yeah. I can't. I can't find. Can't get myself to cheer for Brad to lose, though. That's the problem. I want. I want. You're cheering for K State to win. That's what you're cheering for. I know, but I want my guy to have a national title at K State. Oh, I know. It's just so conflicting. Okay, that's it. That's it for the first half. I thought we'd have like 73 new question askers. Because we had so we might have had some in there that I missed. There were a lot of you that I definitely noticed that have been around in the past. So welcome back to everyone that is welcome posting back. some more. Hope you stay around a little longer this time when we're not in a coaching search. But thank you for the increased traffic to our message board. We appreciate it. And by the way, I, I we had to flag a copyright on something shared on Twitter. Um, and it just reminded me. Uh, when we get to doing the overtime podcast um, in the near future after basketball. And yes, Pickles. Pickles did ask when he gets his podcast okay. back. Yes. <laughs> uh, one of the ramifications now of everything that's happened with Spotify. Um, technically, you weren't supposed to use music in the past. You know, like we use some Skinner, we use some Rick Ross, we use, you know, different stuff. There will be no music in the future. <gasps> we can the probably world use a grunt, of, but the, the world of copyright uh, has clamped down significantly in the last couple of years. And I'm all for it as someone who needs to protect their own copyrights. We'll be back after this with more of your questions from Wabash Station. This is the PowerCat Questions Podcast, sponsored by the Fridge, Old Liquor. GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat podcast continues after this short break. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome back to the PowerCat Podcast. Now, let's return to the GPC Studios. Welcome back to the PowerCat Questions Podcast, our weekly journey into the minds of our users, our subscribers. They ask the questions we answer, and we are sponsored by The Fridge Wholesale Liquor. I am predicting we will get through this entire half of a podcast without one of my dogs making a noise. I'm going to have to disagree with you on that. You want to bet? Daphne is keeping an eye on the door. I don't know. She sees things that none of us can see, and it's kind of spooky. Dude's asleep. Dude looks like he's passed out drunk. Dude, I wonder what Tanner's doing at my apartment right now. Dude, yeah, probably humping the couch, <laughs> which is probably no different than what you would be doing if you were at your apartment. No more questions. Off we go with your questions from Wabash Station. Give the fridge as much love. Hey, follow him on social media. Uh, Shop fridge on the Twitter machine, and you can see all the specials that they have on a daily basis. Gills, take it away. From BVWJ, based on the rate of new Go, Go PowerCat subscriptions, can you infer anything about the current level of interest in K-State basketball? Uh, maybe. I think there's some people that might be revisiting, um, you know, hopeful to get it back, hopeful that let, – let's just be honest here. There was a lot of people that just grew tired of the previous – you know everything going on. Uh, I, I don't. I don't want to relitigate it, but and they might come back, and that's the biggest thing. They got to win the press conference. You just have to. You have to ignite the fan base. So even if it's someone that comes in with you know some questions about them, like Chris Jans, and you know we 
you can look up what happened at Bowling Green, and it's not good. But he did lose his job, and he did apologize. And, you know, how long do you hold someone down for we've all made mistakes? We've all done stupid stuff in our lives. Um, for Cole and Gills, it would be joining this podcast. <laughs> it will it'll affect them throughout their lives. Zach's just so deep in it. It's kind of like being, you know, the concierge. No, that's not the concierge. Never mind. The right-hand guy to the mob leader. The, the bag man? Not the bag man. You're not my bag man. Okay. We we have no money to give anyone. All right. We do have a dog cookie man. So I'm higher than the bag man? Yeah. Okay. okay. Anyhow. Um, but I don't remember the question. People are interested. Yeah, they're fired up. Yeah, definitely. They're fired up. They're fired I mean, up. They want to see if it's the stuff. People always want a coaching search. And what 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 amazes me is the more outlandish sometimes the stories and they get they just love it. I don't care if it's not true. I want it. It's just a funny thing that fans do. Uh, you know, it's, it's coaching searches are addictive, but I feel like we're pretty well plugged in on what's going on right now. And we tell them um, things that they necessarily don't want to hear, yeah. but they need to know, which is something that um, a lot of things in, in life. It's important, I think, because people it just shows that the apathy that we thought was for K-State sports and K-State basketball. People always talk about apathy and, oh, it's just so apathetic. Like, you know, it's K-State fans don't care anymore. Well, to me, all this is showing that K-State fans have always cared. Maybe they've been a little quiet. Maybe they haven't been coming to games. But the fan base still loves Mm K-State, and they're going to follow it, and they're going to, at some point, they'll either give the, the new coach a shot or they'll say, nope, I'm out. But they'll still always follow it, yeah. and they'll still bleed purple. Like we tell our subscribers, yeah, that maybe uh, a frat house, six million dollar frat house that has twenty five thousand square feet, <laughs> is not a suitable living situation for a head basketball coach, or for any family. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's my favorite rumor that I've seen. It's so I, hilarious. I love that rumor so much. I want to adopt that rumor and rename it. Frat House Fitzgerald. Can we afford that to be our new office? Oh, my God. No. No. <laughs> well, you and Brad are so close. Just buy it. Keep it on hold for him. Until yeah. He I just, officially <laughs> comes to Manhattan. Just pay, I can pay cash. Yeah. 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 It's, it's such a – but if you had the money to redo that entire house into something, like you could take out the wings where the – the sleeping dorms are or whatever they have, individual rooms, put in a bowling alley, put in a movie theater. You could have your human sacrifice arena. <laughs> you could have it all right there. I mean, the biggest challenge would be um, tearing up the concrete parking lot to put in a backyard for your pool. But yeah, I mean, but then then again, you'd have people like me as your neighbor. I mean, it's a bunch of... Sororities and apartments and student housing. But you'd always be the nicest house on the block. Hear me out. It's By the way, if you're not familiar with what we're talking about, it's the old ATO house. ATOs are no longer on campus, and the poor alumni just built this thing. So if you're remembering the ATO house for what it was, it's not that. This house is spectacular looking on the outside. It, it's kind of a prairie style, I think is what it's called. Beautiful on the outside. It's it's well, it's amazing on the inside, but you could literally have in the kitchen area, the dining area, is bigger than any restaurant in Manhattan. Basically, mm-hmm. it's enormous. You you could have like that fifty foot table, the Putin table. You know where you're at one end. Brad could be at one end, and the rest of the family's at the other because <laughs> he doesn't want you know the germs from his own family or whatever that's going on. Hear me out. Okay, I'll let you talk now. ESPN Plus reality show. You move the coach in, and then you have the whole team live there. Oh, no. And it's just, you film weekly episodes, and then you see how the team does. Under the hood with Underwood? Hmm. That's horrible. Sounds like he's living in a garage, (laughs) not a frat house. (laughs) That's that's horrible. So... Are we ready to move on? I, from, I, I'm, from ready, this ATO? I, I'm ready to move on in so many ways you don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> from Daria, who is everyone's favorite outside of Brad to be our next head coach? A, this is a great question uh, because I have like, well, I've got two. I mean, I really do. 
I like Jans a lot. I think people would love his style, love his approach. He's fiery. Um, and But, you know, he has a potential of rubbing people the wrong way. I don't know. And I think Jerome Tang is a quality individual. I know he's associated with Scott Drew. It's amazing to see the, the way the thoughts of Scott Drew have changed over the last five years. Um, but honestly, I had never done much research on Coach Tang until now. And I found out that people absolutely love him. He's a kind man. I've had only said hi to him in like hallways, of, you know, when they're coming down the locker room. Like he popped in when Baylor played in Manhattan. He popped into the the small media room we have. Uh, don't start me on that. Um, <laughs> to see whatever game was on the TV in there, and you know, I talked to him just briefly. That's all my interactions have ever been with him. But he seems like a great guy, and uh, I I actually appreciate the fact that he's been very loyal and at the side of his head coach for a long time. Um, and I, I just find it ironic that K-Staters are seeing a fault in a coach who has been very loyal to his head coach for many years and never taken another job because that's exactly what Bill Snyder was. I just think the irony there is so rich. I'm not saying he is Bill Snyder, but to find fault in the exact traits Bill Snyder had when he came to Manhattan just kind of makes me laugh a little bit. I would love either one of those, but those guys aren't the only ones. I look at our hot board and some of these young coaches, Dana Ford's intriguing. Uh, I have cooled on Grant McCaslin because I just don't think the style would, I don't, I mean, he seems like a really, really good person, but I don't know if that's a good sell and they really fizzled out this season. That doesn't help. There's a, there's good coaches out there. I'm the exact same as you, Fitz, I'm I'm Chris Jans, but I'm I'm Jerome Tang, and if if Brad is one A, Jerome Tang is one B for me, and I think it doesn't take much to look around at other sports and say, hey, if you're involved in a winning program that wins conference championships, that wins national championships, you know how to get it done. And this morning, um, I, I was I was in Kansas City, and I came down here. I don't know why I came down here to hang out with you guys, but um, point. Very, very uh, yeah, well. I came down here and I was listening to an interview, and it was very interesting. They had um, a guy by the name of Mitchell Paul on the radio, and if that name doesn't sound familiar, that's okay. He is currently a first-year senior walk-on for Baylor. He's actually from Kansas City, and so the radio host asked him, "Hey, what do you think about?" Jerome Tang, there's, there's, you know, he might be involved in Missouri, K State, and and he said everything that Scott Drew doesn't have, Jerome Tang fills in the rest. Amazing. So Scott Drew is one of those guys who, you know, he he's maybe more like a Bruce Weber, right? He he's more of a hey, we're gonna get this done, and Tang is kind of a hey, he's kind of a fiery guy. Like if 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 Drew says we're gonna get it done, Tang says well we're really gonna get it done, and so I think that that could help K State a lot. And I think anytime you're involved in a winning program, you don't accept losing. Right. And I think Chris Jans is the same way. He was at Wichita State. Say what you want to say about what happened there, but they won. Guess what? He goes to New Mexico State, and all they do is win. When you come from a winning program, you expect winning. And to me, that should be the only thing that you're looking for in a coach is can you win? So you're saying Scott Drew is going to be Jerome Tang's associate? <laughs> That's since, exactly what Since I'm they complement each other so mm, well. Yep. I, I like Tang, but, you know, a week ago, if you would have told me Andy Kennedy, I, I my, da- my own dad texted me last week after Bruce, you know, stepped down and he said, hey, keep an eye out on, on Andy Kennedy. And it, it was like Andy Kennedy's agent had texted my dad, just like <laughs> the notes, like the spark notes of everything, just to like pass on to me. <laughs> but and like at that time, I was like, no, not, you know. He might be, you know, someone that's on our board, but yeah, it seems like he's very interested in the job. But the the thing I like about Andy Kennedy is, and it kind of goes back to Gene hiring Chris Kleiman. Gene hired a good fit. Right. He hired a good coach, but right. he hired a good fit. And I think that, you know, one of two things is going to happen. Gene's either going to go, you know, f- you know, find Brad, which is a good fit, or you know, find Jerome Tang, which is, you know, I think he would fit in well, but it's an assistant. It's a little different of a, of a, of a hire. And I think that Jerome Tang may fit in well, but he could also leave and go, you know, bigger and better things if he has success here. But with Andy Kennedy, I think that he would be the right fit. And I think he's had enough success in his past. And, you know, he got UAB to the tournament this year. That's why I've talked about, Hey, 
if you're if you're you know a mid major coach and you're thinking about going to and K State's thinking about hiring you, I think you need to win your first game. If you can go out and beat Houston, mm-hmm. I think that raises the stock of Andy Kennedy a lot, and I think it raises the stock along among fans a lot because you get that win. But also, for all you know, intents and purposes, Andy Kennedy's going to be a good fit. Plus, yeah. he kind of has that tie back to Frank Martin, right? And I think that. It would be something – I think that he's one guy on that list that you may look and say, yeah, maybe not. But I think that at the end of the day, and especially after one year, I think that fans could really get behind him. Uh, Andy Kennedy's fault to me isn't that he didn't have enough success at Ole Miss, which he didn't. It was that he took the wrong job. You're, you're not going to have that success at Ole Miss or you're going to be limited at – more than half of the SEC programs don't give a rat's ass about basketball, including South Carolina. Frank totally changed. We look at the success or lack thereof he had at South Carolina and see it as bad. Their program's so low, they see it as good. And even though they let him go, and he won 23 SEC games over the last three years. Okay? I mean, he's had he was 500 this year in the league, and they let him go. That is a sign that they have raised their standard, and the only reason why is because of Frank. But most of the SEC is a trash career move. It just is. It, it, it is, folks. And look at the guys who are having success in the SEC. They're the recycled coaches that we apparently don't want. The Rick Barneses and the Bruce Pearls and you know, Calipari's bounced around a little bit. It, it, they, those are the guys having success. I, I think every failed coach – such as Sean Miller for his failings with the NCAA, will end up in the SEC. It's where they go. That's the standard. They don't care about how, visuals. They don't. They just want to win, uh, and they'll do whatever it takes to win. But I think if you're a young coach going to the SEC to coach basketball, don't do it, man. Don't do it. It's going to damage your career in all likelihood. And that's a stock I think you can buy low. I don't think it'll happen. I don't think a recycled coach after having a recycled coach is what the move is here. Um, and I don't think having a yeller and screamer after Frank, you know, was a yell and screamer is a move here. I just feel like after you get past Brad Underwood, the only one that checks enough boxes that I think would be important to Gene Taylor is Jerome Tang. I just do. It's It's got a little essence of gamble to it, but kind of a safe pick. Um, and a guy that's proven that he can get it done. Next question from Ricky Ticky Tavi. How would you personally rate the candidates on the most recent hot board? In other words, rank your top three and why. Didn't we just do this? Mm-hmm. Brad. Well, the last question was number one. Well, but I did yeah. that. I said yeah. Brad, Tang, and Jans, and and that, I'd stick with that. I think it's Brad, Tang, Kennedy for me. Okay. So are we all in agreement that Jerome Tang is number two? Ryan, what do you think? Outside of Brad? Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's Absolutely. interesting. I I, we hadn't discussed that before. So we all think Tang is the ideal backup if you can't get Brad Underwood. I do too. I just have – that's not where I started either. I'm a Chris Jans guy. I, I love him and uh, I love – no, I don't love it. That's not the right word. I appreciate the fact that he's got a ding on his background um, because I think it, it makes you more appreciative of the perilous position you can, you're in. You know, when you've done something that screwed it up like Hugs did, you realize this is my second chance. I need to go take care of business. And it kind of focuses and fires you up. But uh, this Tang's emerged as someone that I'm just incredibly intrigued by. I think the upside of him is enormous. Did you know he was a youth pastor? Jerome Tang? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, everyone on the Baylor staff is extremely religious. It, it, I mean, Scott Drew is very, very religious. And, you know, we, we looked at Grant McCaslin, who came through that. He's also very religious. Everyone there is very locked in on that. So would you say then that if you can't – if any other coaching cycle, if Brad Underwood was not in the picture, right? Um, at any, say this is a different school where you don't have the dream coach that comes to their alma mater and coaches, and Jerome Tang was a realistic possibility. Do you think that he would be number one 100% for everybody? Because for us, no. obviously, we're in agreement. I, I don't I think the list is totally different at Missouri. Um Let's just delve into that. Let's take this opportunity here to talk about that. Or do we have Hang that on. question? We ha- Go ahead and ask the question. Cool. 
Next question from Garth Brooks. Is K-State a better job than Missouri? Okay. Let's just get in. Let's get that out of the way since one, we're talking about Missouri. One, I think it is because I'm a biased K-Stater, but historically it absolutely is. I mean, that's the thing that really a, a large segment of our own fan base at Kansas State doesn't appreciate how important this job is to the history of coaching. Coaches know that. I mean, everyone knows that. If you're plugged in at all on coaching and you're like, oh, Tex Winner is the most successful coach in the history of the program, holy crap. I mean, that is enormous. Norm Stewart. Norm Stewart. Norm Stewart, though? Norm Stewart never went to anything, maybe an Elite Eight. Sweet. Norm Stewart's in the Hall of Fame, and Jack Hartman isn't, and it's it's disgusting to me. They're very comparable. But um, so K-State has a lot of value, but it also – Tang's a Houston guy. He's a Texas guy. And I don't think he's going to wander too far from that base. And being at K-State or in the Big 12, you're not. You're still going to go into Houston. Now, everyone immediately says LSU, and I'm telling you, I had an insider tell me nobody from Baylor is going to rejoin Kim Mulkey in the same athletic department. And I'm like, really? Was that bad? And I guess it was a historically bad relationship between men's and women's basketball. So um, I don't see Tang or McCaslin or anyone going to LSU. I don't see – I don't know who's going to go to LSU with those things – with all those possible probation and everything hanging over that program. That could just be a disaster. I don't know who's going to do that. So I, I think if you're um, South Carolina, they're they're looking for a coach. I don't know if you know that. Um Jerome Tang, I don't think is on their list, nor I th- do I think he would be on – they would be on his list. And I can assure you a few things. Jerome Tang is very conscious of the history of Kansas State basketball, the potential of Kansas State basketball, the passion of the fans in Manhattan, and the promise of the existing roster with added players. I can promise you he's aware of all that. So, I no, I think it's different where you're at. And talent-wise, K-State has a better roster than Missouri right now. As I, don't, stands, I don't know enough about Missouri's roster, but if you can keep Nigel Pack, the answer is probably mm-hmm. is. Yeah. Next question from KSU number one. Can NIL make an impact positively for the next basketball coach? We keep getting NIL questions, and I honestly, I don't know. I I. It's so early in this process that we it's like the transfer portal too. Yeah, we just don't quite know what's going to happen with these collectives. Will the states or even the federal government step in and put some kind of restrictions here? We just don't know where it's all going. It, it, you want to be as he- far ahead on the NIL and having a collective in place, and there is a collective being formed by former K State well students and. I know like one former athlete or two are involved, but, and and even though that's more football, I think, uh, I think all sports will be involved in that collective, but some SEC collectives, they just all care about football. NIL. I mean, the the coaches, correct me if I'm wrong, you guys, but that's not a coach's thing. No, it's absolutely not. So I don't, to answer the question, uh, no, can NIL make any impact positive? No. I mean, I don't think there were a lot of things going on. A lot of people are like, well, the cheating's not legal. No, it's not. Some of the things that coaches are on probation for or being investigated are still outside the boundaries of the rules of being involved in actual playing pairs. You can't do that. But I mean, it it would no longer be an issue for Adidas to pay a player. That's I mean, I feel like the shoe companies played a big role in the NIL. They want to pay the. They want right. to be above ta- the table and say that this guy's a Nike guy and this guy's an Adidas guy. They want to invest in young talent, but technically the coaching staff can't be coordinating that. But it is interesting because then Adidas will only want to send players to Adidas schools and so on. You know how coaches can positively make an impact on their programs or on their schools is by finding those guys that aren't going to be your star players. They're walk on fringe scholarship players that have a ton of social media followers and are willing to make content based around your program. Yep. That'll promote your program. I, I agree. 
I mean, look at Jaron Canick already at mm-hmm. OU. He's one of their biggest TikTok quote unquote influencers after that punter <laughs> that was trying to get the ball unstuck from the practice practice facility. I don't even know that, but that sums up the NIL right there. Yeah. How does how does Deuce Vaughn affect Chris Kleiman in any way? What do you mean? With his NIL deals. You know what I mean? Huh. I just don't see how this matters. It doesn't matter to the coach. It matters. To to, it doesn't matter to the coach itself. Yeah. It's about the program. It's about saying, hey, look, we've got Deuce Vaughn here who makes a whole bunch of money because he has a big social media following. Oh, and he's good. You know, that's that's the sell. And you can do that when you get, you know, these fringe, you know, like a, a Shane Porter, you know, whatever. It'd be like, look, he's doing this. You know, he may not play, but look, we've got, you know, opportunities for you to grow your brand and make you money. That's that's where NIL becomes important. It's not about telling the player, hey, you're going to make money. You need to find the guys right now first and then be like, hey, they're here this can be you too. That's that's kind of where the the foundation of NIL at this so point recruiting. is. Yeah. It's recruiting. It's, it's recruiting. When it comes down to it, it's recruiting. Yeah. But if you're a recruit and you care more about making money or having TikTok followers, if you Dude. care more about that than winning, you got a big problem. Yeah, uh, that's a legitimate concern. I mean, I, I get that. But how does it change a student-athlete's approach to how they function in the locker room if they're getting six figures from NIL money? Is it healthy? I mean, it'll be individual reaction, I think. Some kids will handle it fine. Others, it'll be a major issue. What do you know? I'm getting the money. I mean, I mean, when you're getting, you know, when you're uh, Spencer Rattler at Oklahoma getting two cars and whatever else, millions of dollars, and you, you know, you transfer and you screw over your, your local business partners, I think that that's bad for, you know, locker room and whatever, but... When you're just when you have a whole bunch of followers on social media and you decide to transfer, yeah. I don't really think that that's as big of a deal in IL speak versus you know people like the the millions of dollars that people think that NIL is and what it it can be and what it. <laughs> Jeez, Daphne just licked me weirdly. Ooh. <laughs> I'm very sorry. Dun, I've lost dun, my train dun, of thought here, dun. but I was. Well, I mean, we know what can happen to a college locker room. We've seen it. We had a player at Kansas State announce in the locker room to his player, to his teammates, that I'm playing for millions and you're playing for thousands. I mean, that's an infamous quote from Marcus Foster and why everything spun out of control at Manhattan. So, yeah, those that hierarchy can impact a, a locker room. And Gills is right. This is going to be a whole different monster for coaches to navigate. We're going to see some really, thank you. We're going to see some really talented teams with a lot of players making a lot of money from NIL come completely apart at the seams because of what happens behind the scenes. Last question of the podcast comes from email wildcat82. Is sixty four is sixty four percent the overall winning percentage Mendoza line the next? Okay. I, I cannot. I cannot wait to describe what the Mendoza line is to you, Ryan, because I'm sure you have absolutely no idea. Doesn't know the, okay, the threshold you need to meet. Uh, overall, yeah, I think that's a pretty good number. That's mm-hmm. a little bit under two thirds of winning and losing overall. You know, and I, I used overall in the winning percentage because I, I just felt like it was more tangible. But I am a believer in conference records more than that because you can manipulate your non-conference schedule. Let's be blunt here. Jim Woldridge didn't make the top 10 out of 11 and still scheduled way down in the non-conference. He never got to the NCAA tournament because there was no way, even with the analytics they were using then, that he'd played a strong enough schedule. He was just trying to collect wins and, and get his team some confidence. So, yeah, it can be adjusted a little bit. But, yeah, I think that's a good number. 64% is a good number. I, I, I do want to see you in the upper half of the conference as often as possible. Um, you know, certainly more than, than not, and not, I don't really want to see it in the lower half two years in a row. And I think when we get back to the big 12, um, being 12 and there's only four buys in the bracket, which I love the tournament so much more when that first day is a full four yeah. games. I think being in those four buys is important. And that's something Frank achieved every year. And even hugs achieved somehow he went 10 and six and had a buy in the big 12 tournament and didn't get a bid to the NCAA tournament, I still can't explain it. 
Um, Ryan, since we still haven't answered your question about the Mendoza line, uh, Mendoza line in baseball is when a hitter hits over 200 because um, there was a famous baseball player with the last name Mendoza who sat right around the 200 batting average mark, um, which is now known as the Mendoza line. Wasn't he a shortstop? Like he was yes. a fielder first. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And they always joked that if he got below 200, they couldn't play him anymore. Right. <laughs> so it's commonly known as Mendoza line. So there you go. The more you know. Which actually the Mendoza line is a low standard. Yeah, it's not yeah. good. And I think 64% is not a aptly very described. Good as, right. standard. Right. I think 500 as a coach is the Mendoza line. Uh, yeah. Bad. Especially in the Big 12. Yeah. Uh, yeah, if we're talking conference, yeah. Well, you need to be nine and nine in Big Twelve. Maybe sixty percent overall. Oh, yeah, that's it, isn't it? That was it. That is it. Oh my gosh, good because Daphne is she's she's got to go outside, and she posted made us all uncomfortable with the amount of hand licking that just took place. I mean, usually, let's be honest. Usually on this podcast, a little hand licking is fine, but it just went way too far. I gotta wash my hand. I, well. It's been washed, technically. That's it for the podcast. We hope you enjoyed it, and we do this every week. And then pretty soon we'll be bringing back the Overtime Podcast, which is a bunch of nonsense. Yes. Which somehow varies from this. I don't know how. Shop at the fridge. They'll love you. You'll love them. It'll be just a wonderful relationship. Thank you for listening to the Power Cat Podcast. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. PowerCat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com. PowerCat.